Welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I am somehow retaining a voice, Gavin Kelly. You know, it's funny you should say that because (laughs) we haven't really talked much since this weekend, since the epicness that was LA Comic Con, but... By Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and especially work on Monday, my voice was shot. How about yours? It it was shot. And I actually have to say, I feel like my throat muscles were worked. There's actually like some soreness there. Like I had a, like I've done some kind of weightlifting with my throat. Or some like iron qigong training where you like flex your neck and they're like punching you in the neck or... You got exactly. spears breaking it, against it. it. It definitely feels like I was like taking like some Qigong like strikes to the throat. But I got to tell you, it was all the great conversations that we had. So many, so many. And the funny part is by Sunday of these events, you know, you're running on fumes yet somehow you're still going, you know, at a 10 out of 10 pace. But the, you look at a bunch of the pictures we took on Sunday and you could tell I have like... I. I'm still full of energy, but my eyes are just like drooping. Like, mm, there's all these bags under my eyes and I just look so tired. Like they're crooked. I'm like, ah, yeah. I know it's like, a, it's like, I feel like I'm put together. The energy is really pumping, pumping through my system. And then I look at the photo. I'm like, I kind of look disheveled. Yeah. Like, I look like, I look like I've just been on a bender or something. Yeah. I, I gave up on the last day I was wearing a hat. I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I, I slept in Sunday cause you know, the first night on Friday. So, uh, let, let's do a bit of a breakdown. So once again, as the title of this episode would entail, this is a different formula for us. Usually we break down a movie, we review a movie, we do a top five list, uh, this week, especially because we obviously couldn't record during Comic-Con. That's why we didn't drop an episode this past week. Uh, and because of Comic-Con, we've had no time to watch anything or critique anything. We've just decided to do a recap of the awesomeness that was LA Comic-Con. So pretty much Thursday, I drove down from the Fresno area in the evening. I met up with uh, Herman from the Union Designs and I got all of our shirts we were selling. We were selling shirts from the Union Designs, all martial arts themed, designed by martial artists for martial artists. We said that a a, a gazillion times. And uh, then I got to your place and then I did, of course, some training with Herman at the wonderful Yakubian Muay Thai in Chatsworth, California. One of the best Muay Thai gyms, uh, if not the best in the Valley. Go check it out, people. Yakubian Muay Thai, Chatsworth, California. This is not a paid endorsement. Uh, And then after that, I got to your house in Venice. Uh, Well, actually, no, sorry. From there, I drove straight to LA Comic Con to set up because they were having issues with the city and they kept changing our move-in dates. So I show up to the LA Convention Center. Keep in mind, I used to live right down the street, but I've never actually been to the convention center. So I have no idea where I'm supposed to go. I'm about to pull into some random parking lot where it's $25 for parking. You know, you... uh, a single entry. And I'm like, oh no, this can't be right. So I just, I back out, I go around and luckily I go around the back end and I find this booth of people. And I'm like, Hey, do you know where I set up for LA comic con? And they're like, yeah, right here, park your car. I'm like, well, a sign would have been nice that tells uh-huh. me like register here. So I think I got there just in time, like around 8 30 PM. And from there it was flawless. Like I drove up the back end of the, uh, exhibit hall and they loaded, cause we had about like 10 boxes worth of shirts and other stuff. And they loaded it all on a pallet for me and drove it in on a forklift. 
So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, sweet. So I got to go into our booth, uh, set up the tablecloth, get all the boxes put away underneath. Uh, and we still didn't have our banner yet, the big one in the back, because there had been a mess up with the order. So it was behind and it, I couldn't get it shipped to me here in the Fresno area. So we were going to just have to pick it up in Gardena. So come Friday morning, you and I, we wake up, we go for a beach jog, which was great. Uh, we ran uh, four miles. Usually I we do did. five kilometers, but we just went a little extra. So we did four miles and then finished with a 30 minute high intensity tie bow uh, class, which we like to do. We like to do cardio kickboxing because we can easily do it in your apartment. And it's a great way, a great low impact finish uh, where we still get to get our martial arts training in because we were originally going to hit the heavy bags at Venice beach, but, but we, you, yeah, there, there's a huge puddle underneath because it's the, the first time it had rained in December, second time it's rained in the fall, it seems like, at least down in Southern California. And, you know, we just had to switch gears and hit the TV. Yeah. And so we did Tybo, which is a lot of fun. Uh, great workout. So then, yeah, we headed out to Gardena to go pick up the banner. So for those that don't know, Venice to Gardena, it's like, you know, it was like 45 minutes to an hour. And then from there to the LA Convention Center was about 45 minutes Right, I'd say. Yeah, give or take. Yeah. Give or take. So then we got to the convention center nice and early, set up the banner, uh, got the all the t-shirts out. We hung up the shirts. Uh, we were getting a lay of the land because when I set up the night before, I didn't really see. I saw a couple other vendors, but otherwise it, it was just you see how huge this uh, uh, exhibit hall is. And Friday was pretty mellow, right? It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a chance for us to get our, our, our rhythm down, right? A chance for us to, to talk with the, the artist, Herman, and uh, his photographer, Daniel. Uh, Daniel. Yeah. So, uh, uh, our designer, Herman, because we had four, uh, you know, exhibitor passes. So that first day, uh, my girlfriend, Jessica, was still working. She drove down that night. So we had Herman from the Union Designs and Daniel, a good friend of his and acquaintance of mine. Uh, friend, I'd say friend. He's a nice guy. I like Daniel. But uh, we've trained together in the past and uh, he had his nice camera. So he was taking pictures for us and so forth. But uh, because that, that first day, the Friday, it was awkward hours too. It was like 3.30 to 9.00. Yeah. yeah, it was really kind of weird. And I, it was mostly the hardcore people, right? Because a lot of people coming from out of town wouldn't have been able to make it that day. It's sort of like, eh. We, so in other words, we sold one T-shirt on Friday. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, ooh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe. Is it, it, it felt like a ghost town yeah. with, with people who are fans of walking through ghost towns. That's an uh, excellent way to put it. And the people that we spoke to, well, we had great conversations, but it just felt like exhibitors talking to exhibitors a chance for us to like and in hindsight if we were to do do this again that's the day that we should roam around really precisely which we didn't know and unfortunately neither of us really got the chance to you know i've been to events like this a lot like i you know i try to go to dragon fest almost every year it's been a few years though uh and you know i can roam around for forever all day and talk to people at booths as you know just as a attendee but we didn't really get the chance to do that and we probably should have done that first day that's a good point but it was still we also as you said got into a rhythm got into groove we still met some cool people on the first day too absolutely and we're gonna get to that later all the the interesting fun people we met and yeah so then it went till 9 p.m and then we uh we you know we go our separate ways uh i and then I met up with Jessica. We were staying with a very good friend in Reseda. 
Uh, and then, oh, I just slept like crap that night too, for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like my schedule's all to whack. Obviously I've been driving around, setting up, running around like a chicken with its head chopped off. Uh, and so I think I slept like three hours, which is very abnormal for me. I talk about a lot on the podcast, you know, I take health and fitness very serious and I'm a required, uh, eight hour kind of guy, uh, eight hours of sleep a night person, like, you know, seven to eight, that's like the recommended amount. My goal is always eight, uh, and I can, uh, you know, the, I can go a hundred percent capacity off of six and I can function off of five. That's what I always say. So anything less than that, I don't know how I did it because I probably slept three or four hours, woke up, still got my workout in. I went to, uh, the local crunch fitness, uh-huh. in, uh, Northridge because I have an all access pass. Don't even get me started on that. They tried to pull some baloney about franchise issues and blah, blah, blah. They let me use the gym. Cause I was like, Hey, I have the all access pass for every club in the country. I've worked in the fitness industry. I've managed a franchise gym. I know how all access passes work and you're trying to pull a fast one on me, which because in the, you know, I work for anytime fitness, love that company, but other, uh, franchisees, you know, who would have their clubs, they'd try to pull shady stuff with my members of my gym. Right. So I know how that goes. Anywho, uh, I get a fantastic workout in surprisingly enough. It's crazy how sometimes the best workouts come when you're like running on fumes. I don't know why, maybe cause you think, Oh, I'm not gonna be able to do it. And like you push yourself harder. So I had a killer workout, which always puts me in a good mood. If I, if I don't get my workout in first thing in the morning, I'm just kind of grumpy. Well, you're, you're absolutely right there. I, I, I feel like, uh, it's the same with like tournament mentality. Like once you are essentially running on fumes, your brain kicks in and you're actually, it's like you become hyper aware of everything you're doing and you end up getting in your best work. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, we got to Comic-Con like right on time. Now, Saturday parking was insane. We could not get into the same lot that we parked in on Friday, which was connected to the actual, uh, you know, uh, hall, uh, the, the main, convention center. So, uh, Jessica and I, we had to park, uh, a couple structures down. No big deal. Just sort of like, Oh my God, what's going on? Took us forever to get in there. Luckily we got to the booth right before nine 30 when it technically mm-hmm. started, like VIPs got to go in at nine. We got there at, uh, nine 30. Now the security measures of this event were kind of all over the place between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And at some points, very concerning. And at other points like, well, this doesn't really make sense, but you know what? That's not really our territory, but it would be interesting to see what changes next year. Anywho, Jessica and I get there right before it starts. So no big deal. We're good to go. And oh boy, was Saturday a whole heck of a lot different than Friday. It, it It's so while age is, well, AJ's up at like 5 a.m. doing, you know, lifting his weights. I'm up at 5 trying to watch some World Cup games. I get a call from work 5.50 a.m., 6.10 a.m. Hey, I need a sub for my 9 a.m. class. So I'm like, we got to find a sub. Head into Colburn. When I get on the train, it is so packed with people heading towards the Comic-Con. Oh, so after, I didn't know after, that. I didn't catch yeah. that when you... When you well, I mean, yeah. I, I, so I, I, I get to the train station. Train station is full. I think I jump on the right train. I take the trains all the time. They, I didn't realize they had both trains, the Long Beach train and the Santa Monica train heading to the convention center. I should have realized it. I didn't. But it was jam-packed. The platforms, the trains. I get off and I'm like, I hope I'm not late. Because I mean, I was already running behind. I picked us up, picked us up some snacks. But as I approach the convention center on foot, 
you don't just see a swarm of people inside in the lines. You see a swarm of people outside and also down the block towards the train. And, you know, I'm trying to like slip, you know, dodge and weave and slip and bob my way through the through the lines to get to the convention center, not just the line outside of the convention center. It was jam packed. Now, I have to say you told a lie there because you did not get snacks. You got <laughs> the snacks. Gavin was the VIP of the weekend for because the day before Gavin and I were starving. You know, we had had a good breakfast after our workout, but by like, you know, getting close to 7 or 8 p.m., we, we were so hungry on that first night. And so we went and got some chicken strips, you know, obviously not <laughs> literally within our dietary restrictions, but we split what it was three chicken strips and some French fries. And they One weren't and bad. They were better than I expected. At least they yeah. weren't terrible. But that was another thing. Friday night, I, I went to bed thinking I had plenty of food and I woke up in the middle of the night starving. So Saturday, Gavin, you know, he's not picking up Lay's potato chips and stuff. Now he goes to Little Tokyo and gets us the best snack bag of fresh sushi, uh, fresh little like tuna rolls, you know, kind of like smaller sushi. Uh, what are the ones called that I really like? The the brown with the brown. Oh, outside? the Inari sushi. Oh yeah, those were yeah, delicious. The, the, the rice in in like a soy soy pouch. It yeah. sounds terrible in English. Inari sushi in Japanese, so those things. And, you know, he got the cucumber wrap ones and he got some little Japanese like vegetable sticks and the rice crackers. And so we had food throughout the day. Like we didn't just sit and like eat really, we would graze throughout the day and it was perfect. So it was healthy, light, and it kept us going because had we not had all that food there, we probably wouldn't have even thought about eating until it was too late and it would have been uh, junk yeah. food. And th- this was the perfect fuel. So the, the, I don't know how many people we saw at our booth. I also don't know how we were able to even slip away one at a time for our restroom breaks, for our coffee runs or our Diet Coke run. I mean, that place was packed. Yeah, it was crazy. And so our booth was right at the entrance. Like, you know, there's a bunch of doors you can technically walk in, but the the center entrance door, you walk in and ours was one of the very first booths. And a lot of people are like, oh, you got such a great spot. And I think we did. But at the same time, the downside of it was most people were on a mission. Most people knew where they were going right out the gate, whether they were going to see uh, someone speaking on the main stage and they're on a schedule or they knew exactly which booth they wanted to hit and where they were because it's organized by number. We were aisle 800, booth 808. And so we'd get so many people that would just shoom, go right on by. And the, the interesting part is that the weekend we also discovered, you know, especially because we weren't just trying to sell people stuff. Yeah, we had the shirts, but obviously we were trying to uh, gain you know, exposure for the podcast. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times it'd be like, oh, do you like Kung Fu and martial arts movies? People think we're still trying to sell them something. Oh, we're the martial arts mania podcast. It's a free podcast. And they'd stop and then look over and then yes. come over and talk with us like, oh, okay. Yes. You know, so we had it's to like, like draw people in, even though we had what was a, uh, what actually came out to a very professional, amazing booth. So hats off to, uh, the union designs and us for putting that all together. But yeah, so many people were just, they have like blinders on because they don't want to be pulled in by Exactly. It's like we were dealing with the speed walkers for two reasons. People getting, trying to get to the, to to the famous cosplayers or Billy Zane or the presentations. He was there. He was there. I saw him with my own eyes. And, and they were just trying to protect themselves from sales. And and as you said, the moment we mentioned, 
not free, but hey, we're just trying to promote our podcast. You know, we talk about martial arts, kung fu movies and everything in between. They come over and they start talking. Oh, yeah. Well, what's your favorite kung fu movie? We throw it back to them. What's your favorite? Give us a time error. Give us a, you know, so we're naming our favorite straight to video movies or a movie that we think that they should watch. They're sharing films that they watch. Of course, an entry point for a lot of the fans at Comic-Con, and we'll probably get into this, is, is you know, the Cobra Kai. And, and of course, right. Union Design had a great Cobra Kai t-shirt. So if it wasn't our conversation about, hey, this is a podcast. Let's talk martial arts. Let's try to try to stump us. You you know anything along those lines? They're seeing the Cobra Kai T-shirt. They're seeing all the other great teachers, and they're coming over. We're starting a conversation, spreading the good word of martial arts, and also hearing their stories of martial arts. People who had been injured. Yes. People who had uh, who were continuing to train. People who were coming from Orange County up to Los Angeles to chain with uh, one of Eno Santo Institute's uh, top students, top teachers. It's just uh, the stories that people shared with us were just like, I don't know, it, it, we were just going down these great rabbit holes of martial arts, martial art movies. Uh, just uh, It also yeah, it drew all- in a lot of people that end up buying shirts from us because then they'd see yeah. it and be like, oh, because the union design stuff is badass. And if you're into martial arts, they would see it and be like, oh, well, this is really cool. Well, can I get this in a large? You'd be like, yeah, you can get it. Heck yeah. So, and then it just worked great for everybody. But let me ask you this real quick before I forget. Yes, sir. Speaking of like movies that got people into the martial arts, you know, obviously Cobra Kai was a big draw, especially for little kids. Uh, that caught the eye of a lot of moms. It did. Dads and little girls actually. Yeah. Because like the, they're really into it. But what movie did you find people said the most was like the one that got them like really in, and this is the people kind of in between our age range. What movie do you feel like you heard the most was the one that got people kind of into the martial arts? There, there's one that sticks out in my brain that I heard like five times. So I I I thought everyone was going to say Enter the Dragon as right. their like safety. But for me, it was uh, Rumble in the Bronx and yep. Flying Guillotine. Yep. So Rumble in the Bronx was yes. the one that everyone just kept bringing out. And I think that has to do with the people between our age range. So we're about 10 years apart. Uh, and so when Rumble in the Bronx came out, I was eight. You were like 18 or so or maybe a little younger. Uh, and... It was huge because that was the movie that really launched Jackie in America. Yes, he had yeah. attempted in the past. We know this. The Big Brawl, The Protector, The Cannonball Runs, etc. But that was the movie that made him like mainstream in America. And so kind of if you were around that age loving action movies, for me, I wasn't able to see Rumble in the Bronx until year, a couple years after that. But I saw the trailers on TV and that was the mm. thing where I was like, oh, my God, who is this guy? And then I got to see some of his other releases that came out right afterwards because yep. they were PG-13. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of my thing, but it was just funny how Rumble in the Bronx kept coming up. Rumble in the Bronx, Rumble in the Bronx. And I know, very surprising was- that Master of the Flying Guillotine and or the Flying Guillotine came up numerous times. I know. It, it, it was great. You actually had uh, uh, informed fans, but it, it, they where they were pulling from, it was just fantastic. I mean, I, I remember... Uh, seeing Rumble in the Bronx in Japan, Red Bronx on video. I would always wait to go in the summer to Japan to catch all the latest Jackie Chan movies, watching Red Bronx. This is America. Uh, this is amazing. And then when I come back to America, where I'm at Cal State Long Beach at the time, I think my first semester, they're screening Rumble in the Bronx at the on campus. And I go to it and I remember like taking like posters away from it and just being blown away by seeing a Jackie Chan movie in English, on the big screen in America. And that, even though I was already familiar with Jackie Chan's films, like that film just stands out as like a, a, 
an important point in my life. And to know that that was shared with so many people, it just, it's, uh, yeah, it's heartwarming, of course, but it's, it also, it's like connects us. And it's just fantastic to have that kind of connection with so many people from so many different walks of life. Yeah. And it was also very interesting as you would meet sometimes people that look like fans, they were fans. Then other times you'd have the surprise fans and then they would surprise Mm -hmm. you with how much they knew too. Yes. Uh, And like they weren't just casual. A lot of people were honest, like, no, I'm not really into martial arts movies. Thanks. And it's like, okay, cool. But then other people would be like, yeah, I am. And then, you know, maybe someone like you wouldn't expect, like we had, uh, this one woman come up who she just didn't have the look of a Kung Fu movie nerd. I mean, yeah, yes. kind of, uh, obviously we're stereotyping what I think a Kung Fu movie nerd would look like, but then she like knew her obviously stuff. Obviously very good looking like us. Yeah. You know, with, with big ridiculous mustaches, like I'm still sporting, but I was wondering, yeah, she, she knew her stuff and like, you know, took me by surprise. I was like, well, yeah, they're the, the fans of martial arts films, you know, spread wide, right? They're all over the place. Uh, and then like one of the biggest surprises we had, cause I guess now we'll start talking about some of the people we met is we had one gentleman come up just super excited to see our booth, right? Like, yes. whoa, this is all, you guys have a podcast all about martial arts. Whoa, whoa. And he starts like talking to us, brr, 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 like naming off all this martial arts stuff. And like, as he goes farther, he's going more obscure too, like us. Now I do like to toot our own horns where we don't know everything about any single specific I would say subgenre of the martial arts. Like, let's say it's Shaw Brothers. We know Shaw Brothers very well. Do we know it as well as other people? No, absolutely not. There's like, Mm -hmm. you know, literally the Shaw Brother library is hundreds of films. And even the martial arts ones are up there, you know, 50 something plus probably. Uh, Like, you know, Golden Harvest uh, films. We know very well, but there's probably people that know more than us. Uh, You know, straight to video action films from America. But we know quite a bit about each facet of the martial arts movie genre, which most people don't. Most people seem to be kind of uh, narrow-minded, like, oh, they know Hong Kong cinema really well, but they don't mm-hmm. know anything about Sunny Chiba and Japanese cinema. Or, oh, they know uh, Japanese samurai films like the back of their hand, but they've never watched, uh, you know, a Jeff Speakman film. So we get this gentleman that comes up, and he starts talking to us, blah, 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 blah. And then we come to find out uh, this gentleman's name uh, was Jeremy, right? Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy yeah. Adams. He is a very legitimate Hollywood writer. Now, you meet people like, oh, yeah, I'm a writer. Oh, yeah, I'm an actor. No, no, no. He's a very legitimate actor. In fact, so much so he uh, writes the Mortal Kombat animated films. He wrote uh, the Batman martial arts one from a couple years ago with uh, Mark Dacascos. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Uh, uh, Soul, Soul of the Dragon. Soul of the Dragon. That was it. Because I remember when that came out, that was uh, uh, very cool. And I remember we watched it when it first came out. Uh and then I think a lot of people may forget about that one because shortly thereafter, it was uh, the Batman anime one also came out. Yeah. But anyway, so he wrote that uh, movie and we get, we get to talking with him. And not only that, he's a legitimate martial artist from the Bongsu Han Hapkido lineage. And mm-hmm. he randomly pulls like out the, well, do you ever talk about Jeff Wincott movies? Oh, yes. So, the, of course, like... <laughs> I just started laughing. I'm like, oh, yeah. great. So he starts talking about uh, like tweeting at Jeff Wincott talking about Martial Law 2 undercover and how like Jeff Wincott's great at replying. And of course he is. And then, and you know, I'm really happy because I bring out three VHS tapes with me, sort of Bushido with Richard Norton, uh, 
I can't remember the second one right now because we didn't end up referencing it. And then Martial Law 2 Undercover, the Japanese releases. Oh, Jim Cotta was the third oh, one. There so we go. I bring it, you know, I bust it out because, you know, he's talking about Jeff Wincott and he's talking specifically about that movie. It's the Japanese release with, you know, Jeff Wincott's autograph on it. When I got to meet him when he was uh, screening Fall, Fight, Shine, the new documentary that they released this last year or this year. But my goodness, how amazing was it? We, it's, it's for us, we were like in, in, in martial art movie royalty zone talking to him. And it was just great. He's like, even when he was talking about Mark Dacascos, when he met him, he's like, I'm a fan. And Mark's like, Oh, thanks. And he's like, No, no, I, I'm a fan. I don't yeah. think you realize how big it's like, we're talking with someone who's a fan as much as we are getting to work with the talent that we love. And that's interesting with the whole Mark Dacascos thing, because quite often you find people, oh yeah, I like martial arts movies. And I'm never like one of the, like a judgmental nerd where it's like, oh really? How much, you know, I can, I'm like, that's cool. Even if you just watch them casually right on. But a lot of times people make big claims. Oh yeah, man. You know, I'm a huge Jackie Chan fan. I'm like, oh oh, really? Like, yeah, I'm the biggest. I've seen all all of his movies. And then you try to talk with them out of, you know, about and you get the glazed eyes because yeah. they don't know Rush Hour 1. But even still, if you try to talk to them about any films outside of the basic releases from America from like the late 90s, early 2000s, you lose them, right? So it's like, okay. But that's why it's so cool to see somebody working in the industry that is a true fan. That's also obviously very talented and good at what he does. And he had talked about wanting to, you know, do his own project or something. Mm -hmm. And could you imagine, we've talked about this before on the podcast, wanting to do like a throwback to the B movies, but not make it hokey, make it genuine and a legitimate love letter to the straight to video action films, which had so much to offer. You know, obviously you love martial law too. I love the first martial law more than that one, but that genre, (laughs) You know, they were real movies. Yeah. You know, it's I will. I do admit that Martial Law 1 was a better film, but Martial Law 2 has Jeff Wincott and a lot of ponytails. This is true. It's the it's the ponytail movie. It is the ponytail movie. But uh, before I digress, like, oh, tagline, a ponytail of justice. Oh, I like that. Thanks. Done. Trademark. Yeah. Uh, so what I what I liked about our conversation with Jeremy Adams and so many others, I mean, we've had some people who actually stumped us. Uh, and what I like about this in our last two episodes, Under the Gun, we talk about a letter to martial arts straight to video. Uh, uh, Kuro Obi, Black Belt, we talk about how it's a, mar- it's a love letter to, to karate and to martial arts in the Bushido way. For us, it is about the love letter to like each podcast we record, we try to make it a love letter to that genre, whether we're upholding uh, what we think the standard should be or shining light on something that really stands out. And to, to, to meet someone like, I want to go with it, Mr. Adams, to meet some of these fans, these great fans that we met in the deep conversations we got into. It was like we were sharing our love for this genre and what this genre means. You even mentioned a little earlier about how the Cobra Kai t-shirt stood out for a lot of the girls because, you know, Cobra Kai is in many ways, same as Karate Kid, the original one, two series, one, two, and three. It's about empowerment. Even the next Karate Kid is about empowerment against, not just against bullies, but uh, from within the empowerment we can find from within. And that's what I like about this genre and particularly about 
so much of so much of these these films, it talks about how you can be your best self, essentially, how yes. even the bullies become better by the end of the film. And we've seen that in Cobra and uh, Karate Kid uh, and so many other films. So just just kind of circling back to like the girl, the little girls like uh feeling the empowerment through these stories and through martial arts. And we ran into a couple of, uh, as you mentioned already, one, one lady that came up, we ran into a fellow former HOC student. Mm-hmm. We ran into a student who you referred over to the, you Santo Academy, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the camaraderie and the empowerment that we share across male or female, uh, what, and the, the plethora of every walk of life that came up to our booth, the, sh- the love we share for martial arts is because martial arts gave us, gives us that internal strength to have that self-confidence and also the passion to grow here. You're going to have to stop here. me, uh, stop me because I want to keep going. No, I mean, it's, it's true. And you know, the martial arts and I talked with a lot of people that came up talking about, Oh yeah, you know how much it meant to me. Like when I used to train and, you know, try and encourage them to get back into it. Cause as I've said to people, you know, the martial arts, has literally saved my life more times than I can possibly tell you. And most of those aren't physical, right? It's not like, oh, it saved, my, it saved me in a street fight. Yeah. No, I've never even been in a street fight. But the martial arts has helped me like literally the three or four times in my life where I've been in that physical situation, I've been able to get out of it because of my martial arts training, but more so just the mental strength martial arts has given me getting me through the toughest times in my life, right? Giving me that uh, personal sense of satisfaction, the ability to know that I'm getting better at something through my own hard work, through my Kung Fu, if you will, right? Like nobody can take that away from you. You can be at work and be getting dragged down by the man, right? Jack Mm -hmm. Black style, the man. But you can always have the dojo to go to and know that you're making, even if it's little improvements. And that's also what just going to the gym did for me too, before I really understood the you know, I do, I did martial arts my whole life growing up, but I, I guess it's more so you go through the motions as a kid, right? Like it's some people do find that passion as a kid. Like I, I was already super into martial arts movies, but the training aspect, there was a disconnect and it wasn't until yeah. I was a young adult that I was able to bridge those two because I had started working out. Right. So by bridging my love of martial arts movies and then creating a love for the physical training I was already doing within the martial arts, which was brought on by, you know, lifting weights and feeling more confident about myself. I now get that same sense of satisfaction a hundred percent from the martial arts. Like, you know, if you're having a bad day at work, even if you can go just the fact that you made it into the dojo, you're tired, you're exhausted, you had a crappy day at work. Maybe you don't like your job. And even if you don't do anything incredible in the gym, even if maybe you like are a little off in the dojo that night, you still made it when other people weren't willing to do that. You took that effort to get yourself there. You have the dedication and the discipline. That's the Bushido way. Trademark. Now you've got to stop me, son. Now, yeah. oh man, we we, okay. we spitting straight fire today. All right, all right. Listen up, listen up. So what <laughs> what what was great about a lot of these conversations is I remember there was one gentleman who walked by, older gentleman, and AJ kind of caught his attention, and he's like, "Would you like martial art movies? Is there martial artist you like?" He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I like Bruce Lee, and AJ's like, "Yeah, I, we do too. Is there anybody else you like?" And then he uh, he's like, "Well, uh, uh, dang it, uh, he's." Uh, he started mentioning other names and they started connecting with it. He's the guy who liked the guillotine films. Yes. Uh, and it was just once, once we started, once we got past the initial, just like, 
formalities uh, as people are coasting by it. Then he, they make a slight not U-turn, but like a J. They're walking straight. They curve now into our into our uh, table, and they're talking with us. We had a one gentleman who had a uh, who had a cousin who trained with the White, white Tigers, the White Correct. Lotus Clan, White Lotus Which Club. Is Sorry, not the White Tiger. <laughs> let, let's let's just put it this way. Also, by Sunday. Yeah, we're running on fumes, but we're still giving a hundred percent energy. So we were like, it was hard for us to remember stuff. So for example, he, he talks about how his cousin, cause this was an African-American gentleman, his cousin trained with the white Lotus clan or group in the LA area in the seventies. He was like the only black guy. And you know, I know Douglas Wong right now. I can tell you the white Lotus, but I was so tired on Sunday. I was like, oh, oh. I know. I just kept saying Doug. I'm like, Doug, Sifu, Doug, Doug, Doug. And uh, I, I couldn't remember that. And then he had to look up. He's like, oh yeah, Douglas Wong. I was like, that's it. Thank yeah. you. Because long story short, my phone had also run out of uh, internet. And so mm-hmm. I couldn't look anything yeah. up on my phone. And on top of that, I'm running on fumes. So brain capacity wise, I wasn't a hundred percent there. Well, what, so th- this is, this is the, the preamble excuse. We've got the built in excuse now. So this gentleman, uh, uh, yes. Khalid, Khalid, he's like, he comes back later. AJ's well, actually. He tried make- to stump me first with some trivia questions. Yeah, you, he, you got it like right off the bat. You like hit. You were like he hit you with like three. You got them all, and he's like, "Well, I'm trying to think of one more, and I can't think of any." He leaves. He comes back. AJ's gone. He's like, "Oh, I wanted to show you some pictures of my cousin, and I, I, I'm working on something. I'm working on something, so I'll be back." So he comes back a third time, and he he asks us what the five deadly venoms are, and we stop at well, four. I and, well, here's the deal. I'm like. <laughs> No problem, baby. I'm like, uh, that's easy. The toad. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay. The centipede. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I'm like, okay. The snake. And then I, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, uh, wait, so now I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we're still recovering. So AJ, after recording the podcast, or not recording the podcast, after the, the Comic-Con, got in his car, drove back home, and then the very next day had in-person meetings. Uh, we've been in meetings all week. This is our first moment to even come up for air, and what are we doing? We're recording this podcast. But are you ready to continue? Yeah. So okay. uh, anyways, you know, I had the centipede. I got the snake. I got the toad. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got the scorpion. But the one I couldn't remember for the life of me. So I say those four, like right off the top, no big yeah. deal. I'm like, oh, easy. <laughs> and then when it comes to the last one, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Uh-huh. And for about five minutes, I'm just sitting there so frustrated with myself. I get out a pen and paper because I'm so tired. I can barely remember. And like Gavin's like, here, give he's, us he's paper. actually right. He's actually writing down the cast members. So, yeah. so if anyone thinks that, oh yeah, I can name the five deadly venoms. Can you also name the cast? Yeah, I was members? like, okay, Lo Mung's the toad, Lu Fang. Yeah. You know, I'm writing them all down and stuff. But then I was having a disconnect with the names, and then the character was like, oh my god. And then finally, he has it on his phone. He's like, the lizard. I was like, oh, and I was so frustrated with myself because I was also tired, and I was like, oh, AJ, that's such an easy question. I was like, if uh, if Jeff at the Kung Fu Driving podcast saw that I forgot that just cause I, Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we had a gentleman, Eric come by, uh, talk to us a couple of times and he stumped me with a quote from the crow. Yes. Okay. And so, and he's like, rap, tap, 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 or whatever the exact yep. quote was. And I'm like, why in the, after, afterwards, after he says what it was from, I'm like, how in the world of all the films did I not get that? I was expecting well, Gavin something. wanted me to tell him too. He's like, what's one is this? He's like, Oh, I don't know. And I was like, yeah. I totally knew, you know, yeah. first of all, 
Eric was cosplaying as uh, Bruce Lee in Game of Death that day. So it made sense that he was going to pick a Bruce or in this case, Brandon Lee quote. Yes. So the, the other thing is that that quote, it's so kind of like Edgar Allan Poe-ish, right? Yeah. Whether maybe it's, it is from an Edgar Allan Poe uh, poem, I'm not sure. It, it, you know, it's pretty easy to remember. Yeah, it's 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 probably the the most obvious quote like to pinpoint right and i could not pinpoint it i was like aj what is it and no and of course it's on camera so it might be out there floating around out there we were technically kind of running two businesses at the same time like at this point we had jessica helping out too which was oh my god we couldn't have done it without her but you know we're running the podcast business in a sense and the design business selling shirts and stuff you know keeping track of all of our sales which we did a really good job of i got i got to our horn horn we you know we kept track of everything we were selling sizes whatever blah 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 you know money this and that and so uh yeah it was just it was so much going on and it was so much fun though at the same time like you didn't feel like oh god i'm working or oh you know blah blah on sunday it was sort of like is it almost time to finish just because i had to drive all the way home right but it just you know there was so much going on but when you're doing something you love it doesn't feel like work Oh no! It it was it was so much fun. And I just want to like uh, I'm gonna toot AJ's horn now. I don't even that's that sound. But anyway, he he came up with this idea, and then within like three days, he not only did he come up with the idea, he ignited the passion for it. He fueled the fire, got us not only a booth, got the podcast, got this huge banner, got a table banner. Worked with uh, Herman from Union Designs to get our our logo printed on on stickers, on t-shirts, uh, and just put this whole plan in, not just in place, but in motion. All I had to do was show up maybe with some sushi rolls, but all I had to do was show up and like, just talk about martial arts for three days straight. And I got to tell you, that was a lot of fun. I do it anytime, anywhere, but man, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of kudos, uh, for just like, seeing something and then making it happen. Well, thank you, my friend, but it was definitely a team effort. And I will say this. So a very, very good friend of mine uh, was speaking there at a panel. Uh, I was actually staying with him that weekend too. My, my good friend, Matt from college, he was my roommate in college. Uh, and he's uh, the producer or creative director for the new Killer Clowns in Outer Space game. He's mm-hmm. very well established in the video game industry. So he was speaking at the panel for Killer Clowns in Outer Space. So he, of course, came to see our booth. And he's been working these events literally. He's been in the video game industry for uh, almost 20 years now because he started in high school. That's So he's been going to these kind of conventions and stuff for literally... You know, from a professional capacity, we'll say 15 years, you know, booths and this. And when he saw our booth, he was like legitimately like, oh, my God, this looks so professional. And he's not one to just like, you know, kind of uh, stroke your ego for no reason. He was just like, no, really, man, I mean it. This is this looks great. And I was like, really? Like, I mean, I thought it it came out fine. He's like, no, it looks so much better than a majority of the booths that I've seen uh, at LA Comic Con. You guys did amazing. So that was great. I mean, we you know, it really came together quite well. Uh, and for him to think that, you know, I was like, yeah, I mean, we, we could definitely, uh, uh, do this again. And we are going to do this again. I'm looking into trying to get us at WonderCon because Mm -hmm. an amazing artist, uh, that we, I met there, uh, turned me on to that. Uh, and I'm going to be getting him on the podcast. Hopefully our friend, Jeremy, that we mentioned before, I'm going to try to get him on the podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, because I'd love to talk to him about his future projects. Uh, if there's any way we can collaborate and I want to hear about the, his time training in the Bongsu Han Hapkido lineage. For those that don't yes. know, Bongsu Han was like one of the kind of fathers of Hapkido in America. I guess you could say he was, uh, the martial artist from Billy Jack as well as the villain from force five. So, uh, he had a few movie roles as well. But yeah, anywho, so yeah, I want to get him on the podcast, those people. But uh, anywho, yeah, so, you know, WonderCon, we're going to look into that. That's one in Anaheim. We may not do a full booth this time. We may just do uh, Artist Alley, you know, table. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe we will do a booth again. F it and just go all in. That, that's how we do it, whether we're going all in with a full booth or going all in with the, with Artist Alley. When, when, you, when you are near us and your ears are engaged and your brain's engaged, we're going to we're going to talk your ear off and we want you to talk our ears off when it comes to martial arts and think about it. Think about stumping us. If you are in the Anaheim area and when, when we announce that we're doing WonderCon or anywhere else that we're going to be, please plan to stump us because you know what? It's, it's a lot of fun to try and be stumped. And there were a lot of, there were a lot of attempts, uh, from random folk that came up to us and only two succeeded. Yes. The rest, so bring uh, it on. The rest failed and got roundhouse kicked in the head. But, <laughs> Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, and you know, I had thought about wanting to do this, but this first time out was just too much. And we talked about it all weekend, how we want to bring a visual representation. There was also a lot of hoo-ha about like, you know, uh, whether you had the licensing for everything and we didn't get checked once we had all of our proper like seller's license and everything. And they said, they're going to be going around the you know, California federal commission of trade blah, blah, is going to be coming around mm-hmm. each day, constantly checking for your license. And they never did. But that being said, we want to have movies playing in the background. So like, ideally we'd love to have a VHS set up, uh, cause we both have VHS collections. I'm looking yep. at mine right now. And the funny part is I said to you, I said, yeah, you know, I still have a, maybe a few. No, I have right now. Let me see. Okay, so in eyesight on my media stand, I have Street Night with Jeff Speakman, The Perfect Ooh. Weapon with Jeff Speakman, Blind Fury with Rucker Hauer, an original Drunken Master 2 VHS tape as well. Very I have nice. uh, uh, Lady Dragon, the one you gave me from Japan. That's uh, a sweet one. Yep, I have my original Batman. That doesn't really count, but uh, I've got Karate Cop with Chuck Norris, aka Slaughter in San Francisco, No Retreat, No Surrender 2, Sidekicks, Dragons Forever, Surf Ninjas, one of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, cartoon tapes from the Burger King Kids Club. I've got my whole Jackie Chan box set. They call me Fat Dragon, White Tiger, Wheels on Wheels. Uh, I have quite a bit. I have, I, I'm like, holy crap, I have a ton that we could bring. Yeah, so we, we next time we, we might get like an old TV set up uh, and just have like video these videotapes running. Uh, people can talk to us. We can talk to them about it. We might even record live. What we might also do is do like a compilation video edit where it's kind of like you get that like second generation video graininess from, from copying one from one video to another just to have like clips of fights together. Uh, just just to have a little little visual fun with folks and to be able to break down some of our favorite scenes with you. Yeah, that, that would be, or, you know, even imagine if someone's like, oh man, cause we actually, there was uh, at least one person that like was talking about wheels on meals. Oh, I love wheels on meals. And they weren't necessarily a huge super genre fan either. Just the fact that they had seen wheels on meals. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, from that, we, we shifted, they actually uh, downloaded an episode of our podcast, right? The writing wrongs episode. So hopefully they've, they've listened to that. Hopefully they're listening to this and hopefully they watch Writing Wrongs and get their minds blown. Yes, which is available on the Haya app. Uh, but yeah, so, and that's another thing to remember, people listening. Remember to obviously subscribe, download, like, and share with your friends. Share with your other super fan friends. Because uh, that's really what we're trying to do here is build up an audience of legitimate 
listeners that, you know, want to be involved, want to be engaged. We were telling everybody so many times, like, you know, hey, we want to talk with you guys. We want to interact. I've gotten quite a few new followers this week. And, you know, a lot of them that when I've had the chance, I've, you know, messaged, said, thank you for following. If I didn't get the chance yes. to message you, I'm sorry. Feel free to message me on Instagram and I'll message you back. Uh, we like interacting and we're very blessed that a lot of the people, whether it's podcasters or even sometimes the B-movie people that we interact interact with on social media have a tendency to be interactive with us as well. And yeah. that's actually one of the reasons we got into this was just like, wow, you know, it's so cool engaging with other people that are so like-minded. Maybe we can do this and then we can spread that same love and, you know, share the passion and excitement uh, for Kung Fu and martial arts movies. I, I agree completely. Uh, do you want a quote? Yeah, give me a quote. I mean, we do it at the beginning of the episode normally, but I know. Uh, but I like yeah. it. Wait, it's you know, this episode is different. We're free. We're free flowing. Gabs freestyle. All right, all right. Well, check this one out. All right, hit me, dog. If someone was smart, they'd rip out all of these graves and plant tomatoes. These people are no good. They're dead. That sounds so, I have no idea, but. Uh, but this has got to be the hard quote. So okay. you've got the hard quote. So oh. I'll do it again in the, in the guy's voice. Okay. If someone was smart, they'd rip out all these graves and plant tomatoes. These people are no good. They're dead. <laughs> That's so good. And I have no idea where it's from. Uh, well, it is from. Code of Silence on HBO Max oh, starring Chuck Norris. Good. Oh, I should have known that. That was a good Henry Silva. It's like, unfortunately, Henry well, that, Silva. That one's not Henry Silva. That's uh, that's the cop who who's also in Home Alone. Uh, they the video. Oh, oh, the Chicago one. The guy that's in the Andrew Davis movies. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, wow. Good call. Damn. Wow. Okay. That was good. I like it. I like it, my friend. Good job. Thank you. Okay, what's yeah. the easy one? Well, the easy one was, okay. Fix them up. I want the beautiful for their mother. Brothers, I promise you, blood for blood. But come on. It, this one you basically just got. Well, it's Henry Silva. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I, was, I, was, I wasn't sure if I was going to hit you with the easy quote or the hard quote from this film. So I hit you with the hard quote. I need to rewatch Code of Silence again, too. As we've mentioned, it's not really a martial arts movie by any means, but it has one of Chuck Norris's very best fight scenes he ever made. Absolutely. So that, that bar fight the, scene the bar is fight. fantastic. And he has a great little mini training sequence, too. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's ripping some, you could rip that guy's shoulders out. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, okay, so we did our uh, quotes. You got any news? Any news? icons of the year? Well, news-wise, news uh, you can't see it because of our new view, but I'm wearing my Wonder Boy shirt because Stephen Wonder Boy Thompson had mm -hmm. what many are considering the fight of the year, maybe the fight of his career against Kevin Holland on Saturday, last Saturday night, and I was lucky enough that I got to watch it on my phone in, in my car parking in a lot? parking garage, <laughs> but I got to see the entire thing from start to finish. So I was super happy. Uh, I've mentioned before, but Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is my favorite UFC fighter, and it was classic Wonderboy against Kevin Holland. First round, Wonderboy was you know you know trying to get into his groove. He got caught by a big punch that nearly you know that he kept his composure, but it was big, and so Holland won that first round. Second round, it was really close, but then the third round is when Wonderboy starting to get in the groove, and so by the third round. He's just teeing off. Fourth round, it's just a clinic. And then eventually Holland's corner called the fight in between because he had broken his hand when he had landed that big punch in the first round and then just couldn't, you know, get an uh, offense going. And not only that, when Wonderboy gets into the groove and gets into his rhythm, 
I mean, he shows why he's one of the greatest strikers ever in MMA. And so I was super happy about that. That's some martial arts news. Uh, off the top of my head, I didn't, uh, once again, because we were kind of not focusing on being on social media or on the internet and the last few days, you know, I've been busy at work. I know you have, I don't really have any other martial arts movie news, but, uh, there's the Michelle, the Michelle Yeoh news, uh, that she was, uh, selected as icon of the year by time magazine. Of course, huge. And the funny part is I've been seeing that all day pop up. And so, yeah, most definitely an amazing accomplishment. There's already, you know, obviously talk of her getting nominated for the Oscar. Yeah. I, you know, I've been saying, Jonathan Kihu Chuan should be nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and she should rightfully so be nominated for Best Actress as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Both of them need nominations. But I mean, yeah, and I, I would I would be upset if Kihu Chuan didn't get nominated, but if Michelle Yeoh didn't get nominated, I'd be like, what the heck? Like, you know, just the, the role of a lifetime. So that's amazing news right there. Uh Oh, one more person that we met at Comic-Con uh, that I didn't mention was, so this group comes up, stunt group, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, like, once again, we're just trying to draw everybody in. We don't know who they are. Uh, and I'm like, oh, is that a, a Black Panther jacket? And he's like, yeah, you know, and it says Wakani turns around. It's like this sick-ass Letterman jacket. I was like, oh, that's really badass, cool. And he's like, yeah, you know, we're just kind of, I'm like, you guys like Kung Fu martial arts movies? And they're, you could tell, I think they, they're like, oh, you know, maybe, because once again, these guys are all legitimate-ass stuntmen that, like, pretty much this guy was Black Panther stunt double. So, <laughs> and, uh, uh, as we're talking, though, I noticed that the, the girl in the group, I stop, I said, wait a minute. I know you. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you're Jamasaur. It was this uh, uh, martial artist that's big on social media. She's absolutely incredible. So she does a lot of videos as uh, she's done Chun-Li. She's done like, she actually did a Power Rangers Chun-Li crossover with Jason David Frank. That was really good. And I was introduced to her work by our mutual friend, Tiger, Tiger Shu. Uh, what's up, Tiger? Uh, who is a stuntman, actor, very talented uh, guy in the L.A. area. And so, so funny. I was so excited to meet her because she's also done like these Disney princess ones, which are super fun. She has this incredible Flash Lakes tan style ability to just kick with that man. Just incredible. So they were an awesome group. Uh, shout out to those guys. Shout out to Gemma Soar. Uh, keep up the great work. But uh, yeah, because uh, I was just thinking, what did I see on social media today uh, when I did get to scroll through? If there's any other martial arts movie news uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything, my man. All right. Well, I, I think uh, we had mentioned it before, but uh, uh, martial artist, martial art film star, and also soap opera star and former guest of our podcast, Sean Cannon, has his new book release on the 10th at the Grove in Los Angeles. I'll be heading out there. And allegedly, Aaron Vargas, I'm going to see you there. Aaron. So, we're holding, Aaron Vargas. You, you didn't I, come see me at yeah. LA Comic Con. You don't like me anymore. I understand. Wow. But don't leave wow. Gavin hanging. You can't leave me hanging. <laughs> Aaron's our, our OG super fan. Always will be. Well, and I mean, the work he's doing online now, too. You're, you're getting the posts on Instagram. I'm seeing them on Twitter. I mean, he's just putting a lot of work. And it's great to see someone just working yep. towards their goals and their dreams. And I love that he's so open to to share the entire process. Yes. yes. Can, we can see where, where he started and where he is now. It's just flying high. Keep it going, buddy. Yes, most definitely. Uh, and if you don't show up to the next event, I'm going to find you. Uh, <laughs> anywho, uh, 
Yeah. Any fun? Oh, we didn't do language corner. Uh, did you prepare anything? Uh, maybe. <laughs> no, uh, I didn't. Did you? Hey. Why, we could do. Huan Ying, Huan Ying. Oh, welcome. welcome. <laughs> Huan Ying, Guan Ying. I, the funny part is I didn't say it to anybody, but actually the interesting part is the booth next to us, they were uh, Hong Kong Chinese. Uh, the one gentleman was like born there, but he'd been in America forever. And then uh, the other one running the booth with him was from Hong Kong and she spoke Mandarin. So her and I were able to converse a little bit, but uh, I'm trying to think like what would be a, uh, tell you what, because like every morning she would say to me in Cantonese, because I, I speak very basic Cantonese stuff. You know, you know, we'd say to each other, Josan, Josan. But so that's good morning Cantonese. But so we'll do good morning in Mandarin. How about that? Very easy. I'm ready. Zhao Shang Hao. Zhao Shang Hao. Zhao, Zhao, so it means early. Zhao Shang Hao. Zhao, Zhao Shang Hao. Yeah, except for it's not the fourth tone. So, I mean, you're kind of saying it very harsh. Uh, Zhao so, Shang Hao. Zhao, it's, it's. Zhao. Yeah, there you go. Zhao Shang Hao. Yeah, Zhao Shang Hao. I'm saying it's softer now. So shang shang is just like no tone. So zao, so you got the down and back up. Zao shang hao, zao shang hao. There you go. Yeah. Which is the the funny part is ones like that uh, were so easy for me to pick up because I worked. I was a teacher for years, and then on top of that, you know, I worked at a kindergarten for a whole year. Where every morning, you know, you the kids would go out and line up, and it'd be like, you know. Uh, uh, the principal, like, would, you know, either say, Tao Shang Hao, and then all the kids would be like, Tao Shang Hao, or, you know, <laughs> Dao Jia Hao, like, hello, everybody, you know. So that, that'll be our language corner for today. Tao Shang Hao. Tao Shang Hao. There we go. Good job. Good okay. morning. I like it. Thank I like you. It. Yeah, we didn't really prepare. Next time we'll have something better. But then again, we didn't have a movie and a theme to go off of. Yeah, we, so, we, will, we will next podcast. Yes, we will next podcast. So closing thoughts on LA Comic Con. I just had a great time. Thank you so much for putting that together. And also, it was really great to see so many people wearing uh, Jason David Frank uh, yeah. Green Ranger uh, outfits. It was, it was really heartwarming. And once again, if we forgot to mention anybody that we met, uh, hit us up on social media. We, you know, we're, we're trying our best to remember everybody. We met so many cool people. And once again, if you added us on social media and I didn't get the chance to say anything to you, reach out to us. Uh, we're friendly guys. Once again, we can be busy. So, you know, if you don't hear from us for a day, that's not abnormal. Uh, but I try to be active on there. Like, you know, during my lunch break or something, I'll check my phone. So, uh, yeah, on that note, we will be back, uh, next week. And, uh, I mean, we're getting close to Christmas at that point. So maybe, maybe we'll do some sort of Christmas themed, uh, that sounds good to me. Episode sounds, it sounds good to you. Then that's all that matters. All right. All right. All right. All right, my man. Uh, this has been awesome. Uh, and I will be seeing you soon. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.